RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. You may have seen a stuff opinion piece by Catherine Rich, and it was titled Lessons from Business and Humanity for a Future Pandemic. I'm sure you've heard of Catherine, business advisor and director uh, in both public and private sectors, previously chief executive of the New Zealand Food and Grocery Council. And she joins us now on Reality Check Radio. Catherine, welcome to our radio station. First visit. Yes, thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay, what made you, did someone ask you to write this or were you sort of itching to say something about this? No, I wasn't asked to write it, but I have joined the staff business team. So every fortnight I'm supplying a column. But I suppose after 14 years of running the Food and Grocery Council and playing a part in the COVID pandemic and realising that we've got the COVID commission going on, I thought, will I make a submission to the commission? And I thought, well, probably not, but I should really collect my thoughts and just share what I think some of the lessons are from COVID, just from a food industry perspective, because there was a lot there that happened that I think with hindsight, we would be thinking, nah, we're not going to do it that way again. You know, decisions that ranged from stupidity to just, no, we're not going to do that again next time. Yeah, you say being a small nation dubbed the team of five million. I'm not a fan of that um, phrase, by the way. We are the size of an international city. So if any group globally can organise effectively, it should be us. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, we, we are a, um, you know, a, a small country. There were some things that we did that I think we made things a lot harder for ourselves or some decisions that were made by the government and the Ministry of Health, things that made it harder for New Zealand, not easier. And certainly for the food industry, look, there were some behind the scenes occurrences that, you know, really were so disheartening, which made a lot of people think, you know, surely that they have to see sense. Things like the butchers and the greengrocers and others not being open, there was no health and safety risk for going in to continue to purchase your products through there, no no more than going into a dairy. Um, I mean, at one point, and I didn't put this in the article, but at one point I had to spend about three days on behalf of the food industry debating with government officials about whether or not you could sell pies in a service station. Now, they were approved, not approved, approved, and then it was a really emperor has no clothes moment. You felt like saying, guys... Um, let's see sense here. Um, let people buy what they want to buy at the service station. They're there anyway. What were the arguments against that then? I mean, how, how do you, how, what's their position? What's their grand argument? A lot of the more, more stupid things that occurred, a lot of the more stupid things that occurred um, ended up being officials interpreting the the government health orders of the day. And remember, these were these legal edicts of the do's and don'ts and some of them some of the health orders were were written in haste um they were written in such vague language that many officials and industry were left going well, what do they actually mean so it was as if we were all consulting celtic runes to work out what it was they were trying to achieve so somebody would look at it and say yeah it's okay you can sell sell pies um, some would look at it and say, no, you can't. I mean, another good example was 
what was essential and what was not essential. And I think that's a, a categorization we should completely chuck out next time because it you know it required officials to have opinions about what was an, an essential service when actually if you could trade safely, you could do your work safely, then why not? So so the, so what was essential was really just the opinion of various people, what they considered was essential. I mean, how is that how is that anything more than just an opinion? And it could be based in ignorance and no life. Exactly. Right? The, the question should be, can you go about your daily work or do what it is you do in a safe manner? And so this this led to um uh a, a lot of silly decisions. For example, um, magazines, all non-news media was completely shut down. And if you look at the composition of a magazine, you can do the writing. There's a lot you can do through Zoom and putting a magazine together. It could have been They could have been distributed safely through the supermarkets or wherever. Um, why not let them continue? A lot of people could have benefited from having something to read during lockdown. A lot of things like that. Um, at one point, government officials were unsure whether merchandisers and supermarkets were essential or not because they didn't really understand what the term merchandiser was. A merchandiser is the person who goes in and physically stacks shelves in the supermarket. So at one point I said, well, we've got 10,000 merchandisers. If you want them to stay at home, good luck with keeping your shelves full. And people fed and supplied ultimately, right? Yeah, it became um, quite frustrating, and um, and having to explain to health officials, for example, why we needed um, New Zealand's only yeast manufacturer in the Waikato open. You know, having to explain to them that you need yeast to bake bread or the flour mill. Really. <laughs> I was beginning to think, am I in the parallel universe? Um, explaining why a flour miller had to cross over the Auckland border because without him you couldn't mill flour and at that point we were running out of flour on the shelves. Um, I felt sorry for the poor beekeeper who was held up and not able to cross the border to go and feed his bees. Do you remember that terrible story we had millions of bees starved to Yes, death? I do. I do, yeah. Yeah. Stuff where people more more of us, I think, should have said that's stupid. You know that that doesn't make sense. Well, people shouldn't have complied, actually. Um, and that, that's why I'm in, in the face of that sort of stupidity, right? I mean, why why insult your intelligence? There were some times when um, I said to members, "Yeah, you know, just get on and do it." Just do what you need to do to keep the food and groceries on the shelves. And that was another good example of um, public officials not understanding that we were the food and grocery industry. Not all things that people buy in the supermarkets are food. So there was a registration system through the Ministry of Primary Industries for food. Well, where were all the nappies and the toilet paper and all those sorts of people supposed to go? They had um, according to one health order, they they should have shut down. I said, no, nah, just ignore it, keep going. Yeah, right. So you've really got to ask, uh, we'll get to more of the points, but you've really got to ask, who are these people? Are they, can you be that disconnected from everyday life and understanding how things work at a fundamental level? Maybe they don't engage in those 
normal activities? Because common sense tells you, right? Well, there were a lot of well-intentioned people, Paul, but there it's, I've always believed that you've got to establish what it is you don't know and ask people who do know because there were some decisions made that showed a complete lack of understanding about how the food industry worked or even the composition of food. You know, to go back to my question, my example of having to say, well, if you don't get the flour miller across that border, that whole flour mill can shut down. Um, you know, I, I think next time we need to make sure that the power is shared right across the public service, at, at least with the departments who understand the food industry and understand the way the economy works, because health made some decisions which clearly showed they, they were just, you know, out of their sphere of expertise, but they they stubbornly held on to that clipboard. Yeah, yeah. I see you make mention of the clipboard in in there. So that becomes more of an exercise in interpreting policy than sort of living in the real world. It's it's like a policy game, is it? Well, I just think that um, relying on very rigid health orders that became the edict of the day of you know thou shalt do this and thou shalt do do that, not do that, um, was was completely um, inappropriate for a fast-moving pandemic. And as I said, you know, we were a small team. I know you don't like that phrase, but Jeepers, if more people had relied on common sense and said, you know, how, how do we how do we do this? How do we respond nimbly? We wouldn't have had problems like. Um, the you know wave of agricultural products, whether they're pigs or flowers or whatever it might be, um, suddenly having their parts of their supply chain shut down with nowhere to go. I mean, the reason the Ministry of Primaries and Industries had to buy up, you know, thousands of kilograms of pork was that because the butchers were shut down and the the restaurants were shut down. There was a lot of pork that just couldn't go through the supermarket. And I remember some pork. Uh, uh, pig farmers crying because they just couldn't get their animals processed, stuff like that. There was no safety risk, Paul. Next time, I think we can do it better. Well, it actually turns out in hindsight that most of most of everything that was done was inappropriate and unnecessary. We know that now. And plenty of us were saying it at the time. And the reason I don't like that 5 million team is, don't tell me I'm in a team. you got to earn that. Does sound like you're going to have to have a ma- matching tracksuit, doesn't it? But um, and, and when you're not in it, then then you're other, and that splits the nation. And you yeah. you never do that. And one of the points I made in my my article was was not a food industry one, but you know, members of the people who had their family members die alone, and member and family members who could not get into funerals and the silly rules about who could and could not go, that was completely unnecessary. And in my family network, um, there was a member who who died and the family couldn't get there, died alone, and that that was just inhumane. Um we, we can we can maintain our humanity next time because we we excluded a lot of people and we made it, you know, no wonder the country's still quite grumpy. <laughs> it's an understatement. But we're poorer as well, aren't we, now? We're poorer. 
the aim has to be to keep as much of the economy going because let's remember we were we were dealing with COVID. We weren't dealing with Ebola, which has a you know a ninety over a ninety percent death rate. There, um, there were some people initially who I think quite enjoyed the the whole lockdown and being at home with families, but yeah, we paid for that. You walk around towns today, there are so many empty shops, so many empty restaurants, um, and even you know, trying to get a, 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 a restaurant table in Wellington today, a lot of restaurants now are only open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So many businesses have gone into liquidation. Um, we've got to make sure that as many live, we preserve as many livelihoods as as we do lives, and to think about livelihoods because you'll probably know people too who have been bankrupted or had their businesses completely smashed. For what? Yep. Well, that's the thing. It, it kind of seems all unnecessary now. And inhumane is a good word to use. So in sort of, there's a Royal Commission coming up. People are arguing that the terms of reference are too narrow to really address all the points. But what would you like to see in the area that we're talking about here, mainly food, groceries, and, and the distribution and the maintaining of those businesses and the supply chain and all that in that situation. I mean, there'd have to be some bottom lines for if it ever happens again that we don't fall under, right? There's got to be. Yep. Uh, um, one from a practical perspective is let departments like the Ministry for Primary Industries and the Ministry of Business deal with the provision of, you know, keeping people alive and the necessities of life. So they that they, there's as public servants, at least I can put hand on heart and, and say they do have an understanding about the way food and groceries are produced and sent around um, the country. Uh, they'd be at least they know the sector. Um, so, I don't well, sorry, were they not listened to? Were they sort of like frosted out of the process? Was there a capture by one particular class or layer of the public service here? Well, this is, I'm only reflecting what I saw, Paul, but, you know, the Ministry of Health held on to that clipboard and they weren't keen on sharing a lot of the power. And I, I remember speaking to MPI officials at the time and they were saying, look, we're going to find out what's in the latest health order with every other New Zealander because, you know, we haven't been briefed, we haven't been part of it. And that's why you got some weird decisions um, about um you know, the way restaurants and hospitality could continue. And I mean, that just went on far too long. Health is always about elimination of risk. Everywhere else in the public service, at least they're looking at managing risk because there's risk in everyday life. You can't just lock people up at home ad infinitum. You've been a politician, haven't you? Yep. Okay, so at the sharp end of presenting this to the public of the country, because that's how it was presented, there was that one o'clock thing every day and you know, there are various ministers always sort of messaging. How do they get those messages? How are they so secure in that messaging when common sense does tell you that, you know, that it's it's complicated? You've kind of inter been in that interface, let's say. What happened there, do you think? Well, initially, I think everybody was on board and thinking, well, we were dealing with something we didn't know. But I think um, to... The, a lot of the communications became um, slick presentations as opposed to looking at the evidence, the science, and speaking to New Zealanders as if they, you know, we were intelligent beings. Um, and I think part of 
political life is knowing when the information changes that it's okay to change your mind and do something different. And I think there were some things, a good example is letting the the butchers, the greengrocers and other retailers open when clearly there was no safety risk. In that instance, the politicians wouldn't change their mind because they didn't want to flip-flop and be be criticised for that. Well, common sense, that's what leadership is, common sense, listening to people and managing risk, not waiting for that magic moment when it's completely eliminated. It doesn't work that way. The cost to the nation has, has been really high. I'm probably not going to make a submission to the commission. It's so slow moving. Um, well, that's handy. <laughs> I don't know why it's taking so long. Well, people don't want you know negative stuff to come out on their watch, do they, before yeah, well, an election, I would imagine. A lot of it's, um, there are just some known truths about what we could have done better. And I think all politicians should just be relaxed about that, to listen to people so that we don't make, that that we can do better next time, because there's going to be a next time. Yeah. Would you ever, would you, if, if it was you, would you have ever have claimed the podium of truth? Would you have ever said anything like that? That was one of those moments. I'm sure um, Jacinda Ardern looks back on that and goes, oh, that was not a great thing. But to she, she's got a degree in communication. She's oh. worked for Tony Blair. She knows her stuff, doesn't it was, she? It was straight out of George Orwell's 1984, wasn't it? Um, there is no podium of truth. There's always evolving science. And I think one of the most shameful thing we did was we, we, um, we allowed – um, those who spoke out to be pilloried and criticised when in many cases they were just sharing the most up-to-date science. I mean, you remember, Paul, for a long time, the Ministry of Health banned um, rat tests and they had right. go through care little care packs sent by family members from around the world to go into individual care packs and leave everything else in there but take out the rat test or some of our members who bought rat tests and it wasn't on the magic Ministry of Health list of 10, nothing wrong with them, but um, the ministry took those and no doubt they've been destroyed. It was just ridiculous stuff like that that lost a lot of goodwill because it didn't make us any safer. It was just, um, you know, computer says no kind of answers. Well, there is an argument to say that um, they can't be manipulated like the PCR test. They can't be dialed up in sensitivity. They are what they are. And maybe that wasn't didn't serve the messaging at the time when you wanted to show that there was a real tsunami of pandemic going on to justify everything was going. Rat tests might have been inconvenient at that point. Just saying. Who knows? You've got to trust, trust your um, citizens. You know, we could have taken control of our own care and tested ourselves a lot earlier but the ministry was flatly against that and they wanted to maintain the cr- control and also, you know, to have their own recording. I mean, it was, you know, the, the horse had bolted. Crazy stuff. Okay. Well, interesting to get your thoughts, particularly from, because that's where the rubber hits the road, food and groceries. If you don't have them, you've got a real problem, right? <laughs> There's a very famous saying, and it's often in very various forms, but, you know, it says most citizens are, you know, three hot meals away from anarchy. And it's yep. very true. And I think if you, if people can put up with a lot of things going wrong in a community because they can, you know, conceptualize it, the moment there's a whiff of running out of food, things can go pear shaped very 
quickly. So that was one of the reasons that we we probably bent a few rules, but we just did all we could to keep the shelves full. Yeah. Really interesting chatting with you. Thanks for coming on, Catherine Rich. Thank you. And we'll talk again, maybe about aged care next time, huh? I'd love to. It's, yeah. it's a disaster. <laughs> disaster. Uh, we're looking forward to that one. Okay, we'll talk soon. Bye. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.